Well, good morning. I'm Matt Campbell. I'm one of the, I'm a member here at Believers Church, um, and I am. It's my pleasure this morning to be able to share in the Word of God together with you all. Uh, we're going to have a sermon with the kids this morning. So, uh, kids, I've got a question for you. This morning, our our passage has to do with Paul and Silas in prison, and they they're there after a turn of events that they did not expect, and now they're now they're locked up. What should they do? What would you do? What? Praise God. That's what they did. That's what they should do. That's right. What? Break out. <laughs> they, they do that too, eventually. Sort of. God, yes. Pray to God to help them. That's, and that's exactly what they did. Those are great answers. They do that because God is their refuge, their strength, a stronghold in the day of trouble. So they know that, and they trust in him. So they, they come to him praying and singing songs. In the middle of a circumstance that they don't really want to be in, God still has a plan and has a purpose. And we see that for, for Paul and Silas today. Well, the same thing is true for us, right? As we, we're not in prison, thank God. This morning we are here together uh, in much more favorable circumstances, but we need him no less. We still need to ask him for help. We still need to, to seek him and to, to praise him, to sing songs of praise. So uh, we get to do that this morning and uh, we get to draw encouragement from them as, as we will see the story unfold in Acts chapter 16. Uh, that's where we're going to go this morning. Acts chapter 16, it's the next, next section. Um, we're going to begin in verse 16. And then we'll go through the end of the chapter. So I'll go ahead and read that for us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet, feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately 
all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And this, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrates sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and, there were, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we come to you this morning and just asking to be shaped by your word and to be, um, to be encouraged by it, to be uh, rebuked by it, to be healed by it, because your spirit is actively um, among us to take the word and show us uh, where we need to repent. God, all of us are in need of that. All of us are in need of turning to you. Lay a, lay a hand on us today and show us how we can follow you more faithfully this morning as a result of this text. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the account begins in um, verse 16 with Paul and Silas going to a place of prayer and this woman who has a spirit of divination is, is following them around, yelling or proclaiming, uh, these men are servants of the Most High and they proclaim to you the way of salvation. Over and over again, she is saying this for many days. And uh, <clears throat> Paul is greatly annoyed with this after many days. It didn't take it doesn't take me that long. When we ride in the, our van to go someplace, we have a rule that you can't say a repetitive line over and over again in small spaces, right? It just, it, it gets you. And so if you only know one line, line to that song, you can't sing that song, and not, not in the van when we're all trapped here. So this person is following Paul and Silas along and saying this over and over again. And Paul, being greatly annoyed, turns and says to the spirit, come out of her, and it does. And that is really encouraging to me, that being greatly annoyed, he still acted in a way that was restorative to this, to this person. 
you know, that, that God, they didn't have perfect motives. I want to see something like compassion or sympathy or love for this woman, but instead annoyance. And that really is really encouraging to me because there's a lot of times that, you know, as a parent, you're in those moments and you have to say something being greatly annoyed. And, and God still is able to use that. You, you won't stop God's uh, sovereign purpose for this woman or for all of the rest of the events that happen. Really, this is, this is kind of also really big that, that this is the watershed that turns everything else that happens in this whole passage comes from this disturbance, this annoyance. You know, and I don't think that annoyance is the same thing as anger. He's not bitter or resentful or hating this person. It's just a fly that lands on your forehead when you're trying to take a nap in the hammock and swat it away and then comes back and starts walking along again and just do that a few times and you're greatly annoyed. But that's, that's just a human natural thing. Um, but I, I want to see something like compassion or love or something, but the Bible's earthy about it. And this is the way, this is the way that it happened. He was annoyed and cast a spirit out of this woman, which is amazing. So then uh, her owners see, because she was a slave, she, the owners see that their hope of making any money is gone. And they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And uh, stop and think about the, the owners for a minute. And they have this woman who they found a way to make use of and make money off of her second sight, divination, and fortune-telling. And now that something, she has said, these men are servants of the Most High. They come to tell you the way of salvation. But they don't, they don't care about that. They don't care about the woman who is freed from this oppression they care about their, the money that they were going to make is no longer going to be coming through. And I, I just thought about like how um, they're not seeing the world that God has made anymore. They're not seeing the person in front of them anymore. They're just thinking about how to make use out of the world that God has made. Um, and maybe that's... Uh, just an example of missing the forest for the trees in a, in a very big way. And we, we may do that in, in other ways too, um, to come to love theology and then forget to love God in theology, to come to uh, enjoy a beautiful uh, vacation uh, scene and then think like, oh, how could I, you know, have an Airbnb here or something, I don't know, like just to, to not be able to be in the moment to see a thing and enjoy the world that God has given, but to try to figure out how to make use of it so that you actually miss the very world that God has given to you as a gift to be enjoyed. I think that's what's happening for these owners here. They, they don't see the bigger thing is here, that the sovereign spirit of God has cast out this um, the spirit that was in this woman and 
They are, these men are here able to tell the way of salvation, but they're not asking about that. They seize Paul and Silas, and uh, they know how to make use of a crowd also, so they drag them before the, uh, drag them to the marketplace, and then um, incite the crowd against them, saying these men are Jews, they're disturbing our city, um, and advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to practice. And the whole uh, crowd joins in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them, and they beat them, and commanded this jailer to put them in prison and, and to keep them safe. So they're, the jailer says, it says that he put them in the inner prison and fastened them in stocks. So it seems like there's kind of like an extra level of protection there in like thorough lockdown mode. So um, Paul and Silas are in prison and about midnight, uh, they're again not obeying the Campbell rules of order, that when you're in a small space, you don't make a lot of noise. At midnight, they're singing and praying, and uh, everyone is listening to them, like it or not. Um, but they are singing and praying, and uh, suddenly there was an earthquake, and it's not the average earthquake, obviously. Um, because it, it's not walls falling over or ceilings falling in. It's every door is opened. And, uh, and their, their stocks are loosened. Their bonds are, are taken off. And so this is obviously a miraculous earthquake. The house responds kind of like in Canto or something, you know, just like everything that you would want is happening right now. Um, I was thinking about Paul and Silas and thinking, I, I want to be more like that. Taken uh, to prison and then um, singing and praying, like, would, would, I, would I respond in that way? I want to emulate their, their faith. Um, and I was thinking initially that, that they were likely, you know, singing these uh, hymns of praise, but may, maybe they're singing from an excess of joy. Maybe they're like praise and worship and intercessory prayer and, you know, praying for the, the people in Philippi and other places, but maybe they're there and they're singing, you know, from the depths of woe, I raise to you a voice of lamentation, you know, turn to me. Maybe they're praying for healing. Maybe they're praying for deliverance. We don't know what that looked like in them, but we, we know that while, there's, while they're there, they know God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. He knows those who trust in him. They're, they're pressing into uh, to the God that they know and love, and they're crying out to him. Whether it's uh, singing, there is a fountain filled with blood, or uh, which are obviously not the songs that they sang. Those weren't written. Um, but we don't know what they were exactly singing and praying, but we know that their focus was to, to uh, cry out to God for, for help. Um, so this, this earthquake happens, and then, uh, I guess there was one more thing I wanted to say um, on that. My notes are really not helpful. I'm going to just... Um, <laughs> there... As they are um, 
praying there's this there's a, a hope that they that they have um, that is unshakable. That I, I was I was thinking um, of a, a book that Josh uh, Thrower had recommended, uh, "Leading with a Limp," and one of the things that it said in there um, there was a it's a book on on leadership, obviously. And he says um, to a guy who's kind of dealing with a crisis in leadership and how to, how to continue going forward, and the guy just kind of felt stuck, I think. And the author of the book said that he talked to him and said, if you knew um, that this was going to be, as you lead through this, was, this is going to be overwhelmingly favorable for you. The outcome for this is going to be overwhelmingly favorable um, and in fact, people are going to look back at this and say, this is one of the greatest achievements in your life, in your career. Like, how would that change how you lead through this circumstance? Um, and he didn't, he didn't link it to Romans 8.28, but I did. I thought, man, Paul and Silas are here in prison, and you don't know how this is going to go. But you do know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So even though I don't know exactly how this is going to turn out, I do know that it's going to turn out overwhelmingly favorable in, for me. Like that nothing is able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not persecution or nakedness or calamity or peril or sword or death or life or anything can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So I think like as we try to contemplate the people who are in prison after a night of beating uh, and locked up in stocks probably can't lay back because of their backs hurting so much. How do you, how do you pray and sing um, in that? And I think you have to know the, the promises of God to you and be able to rest in them. Um, so back to the earthquake happens and their, their bonds are loosed. And then the jailer, um, comes rushing in and sees that the, that the, um, doors are opened, assumes everybody has escaped, draws his sword, ready to take his own life. Um, because he was told to keep these guys secure and it's going to look really bad. And so Paul cries out to him, tells him, stop, we're all here. The jailer calls for some lights, and they um, bring him up out, and he asks him, why are you still here? <laughs> That's what I would have asked. <laughs> you know, why didn't you go? Because obviously the jailer thought that's what you do too, like you, that they're going to leave. His, he didn't even find out, didn't even go down into the cells. He just saw all the doors open, didn't have enough light, and drew his sword like, obviously they're gone. It's the obvious thing in his mind that you would leave. And I would think like for Paul and Silas, if you're praying and asking God for help and then a magical earthquake, not magical, it's the wrong word, <laughs> a miraculous earthquake. This is not an ordinary earthquake, right? Um, if the doors open and your bonds come off, you go. You, you, if you're watching a movie, and this scene unfolded, you would be shouting at the character, go! You, you know, you would. <laughs> so I don't, I don't get it. Um, and I still, don't, I still don't get it. 
why didn't they leave? But they didn't. And then uh, the jailer doesn't ask that question. He asks, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Um, and why would he ask that question? And I think if you ask, why are you here in maybe a bigger way, you remember that you're here because there was that slave girl who kept going around and saying, these men proclaim to you the way of salvation. They're servants of the Most High. And then you see these men carrying themselves in a certain way, praying and, pray and singing, and this miraculous earthquake happens, and you say, this is this is salvation. These men do have what she said that they have. What must I do to be saved? So the question really does make sense. Um, and so he asks that, that question, and they respond, um, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and all your household. And, um, and they spoke the word of God to him and to all who were in, who were in his house. So I, I puzzled at this for a minute, um, well, for a few hours, um, to try to unpack what does it mean if, if you were to say to somebody who is not in the church, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. I think the next question that would be asked is, what does that mean to believe in him? What, what, it's a very dense question. Like, there's a lot more to be said than believe in him. Believe in him what? Believe in him that he existed? Believe in him that he was the son of God? Believe in him that he was a sacrifice in your place? Believe in him that there was a sin issue that had no other answer? Jesus came and he bore the wrath of God in your place? There's a whole lot to say than to just say, like, believe in Jesus. And I think it would be a very, it was a very good challenge for me to try to outline um, believing in Jesus. What does that mean to believe all of what he taught and said, all of who he was, all of, how, how do you unpack that to a jailer who asks, what must I do to be saved? And then here comes this one sentence, but it also says that they went to his household and spoke the word of God to them. So I'm sure they didn't leave it with, with one sentence here. Um, but I also want to underscore when they, he asked, what must I do to be saved? The answer came back, believe, which is not, which is not a doing. It, it's a believing. And when Jesus is asked, what must we do with, so that we can work the works of God? He says, this is the work of God that you believe on Jesus Christ, whom the father has sent. This, this is the work believe. So do it. Don't do it. It's not a work. It's by, by faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. But there is a lot to unpack and uh, maybe a, a challenge in your MC to discuss. What, how would you unpack that? How would you unpack that sentence of believing in Jesus to someone who... Um, you know, it's just the jailer who has heard there's a way of salvation. What is it? Um, so then the jailer um, 
sorry, I'm in verse 33. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and was, they were baptized at once, he and all his family. And they brought, um, brought them up and set food before them and rejoiced with them that their entire household had believed. Um, and then the next day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let, let them go. And so the jailer comes back and he tells the good news. Hey, go in peace. And then Paul is very fond of not leaving when he's allowed to leave. <laughs> and he says, no. He says, no, they uh, have beaten us publicly and we are uncondemned and we're Roman citizens. Let them come in and uh, take us out. And I, uh, I don't know why, you know? I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't um, go easily. I think, I think the answer, again, is, or the answer is that they wanted to um, not have this injustice, injustice be a precedent for others. Um, and that, that this was a misuse of uh, their power and they were, they needed to come and make it right. Um, and I think a lot of times the Bible talks to us about um, meekness and humility and um, I thought about the, the text in, I think it's 1 Corinthians, where Christians are told like not to sue each other. And the motivation, the reason behind that that's given there says, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded? Instead, you're defrauding even your brothers. Like, why not rather be just taken advantage of? I think that a lot of times the Bible is going to exhort us to bear the injustice, and that's okay. In meekness, it's okay. Um, a proverb that my kids hear a lot is, it is to your glory to overlook an offense. Every little thing doesn't have to be dealt with, you know? And uh, mercy is preferred uh, for us. But it's never wrong to choose justice, you know? And so I think that that's what we're seeing here is there is, I, I kind of expect Paul to just like maybe go a little bit easier, but it's never wrong to choose what's right, to choose justice. And so he kind of uh, waves his rights around a little bit as a, as a Roman citizen and says that this was not okay and uh, kind of puts the magistrates in their place a little bit and, and probably sets a precedent for future um, incidents that might happen in, in the city too. So the magistrates hear this and they are afraid and they uh, come down and, and uh, apologize to them. They took them out and asked them to leave the city. Um, probably that mob that was there yesterday is probably not fully dispersed. And even if the magistrates change their mind, um, there's probably some danger. So they're asking them, would you just go along? And they stayed for a little bit. They, they went out of the prison and visited Lydia and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So they're not, they're not in, in fear of this still. Um, and I, um, I want to know what, for us, there's a lot of different things that happen um, in this story. A lot of different incidents. What's the takeaway for us? Um, 
one thing I want to see is the sovereign God and the kindness of God who put a tag along with Paul and Silas on their way to this house of prayer who cries out over and over again, these are men who are servants of the Most High and they've come to tell you the way of salvation. And that, uh, that fills the head of the jailer with a question that Paul and Silas get annoyed with this woman and cast a spirit out of her, restoring her. But then they're taken to jail where they meet the jailer who has this question. And Paul and Silas in the middle are suffering beatings in the plan of God for their good and for the, the salvation of this jailer and his whole household, which they would willingly do. And, uh, but they're there, like, because of Paul's annoyance, <laughs> you know, because, because of this, that was the trigger. That's the human trigger of what kind of cascaded a whole bunch of things. And God's sovereign in all of that. And he's sovereignly pursuing people with, with kindness, um, with, with his wisdom that is not our, our wisdom. And for us, we don't feel like our, our stories are not in the Bible. What's, what's your story? What's the, the place where you are right now where God is weaving a story that you don't understand yet? Because he's still, he's still doing that. But you may not understand how he's doing that, what he's doing. And he's, you couldn't say it in one sentence, what he's doing. Because what was he doing for the jailer? What was he doing for the woman? What was he doing for Paul and Silas? What was he doing for the magistrates? What was he doing for the... There's a lot of things that he's doing in one thing that he's doing. Every, every, God's doing a thousand things in everything that he does. And so, as we see this story, we need to look at our own and say, what's God doing in me that I don't see yet, but that I will, and I will look back on and praise him for? And don't, while you're in the middle of the story still, don't stop praying, don't stop singing, perhaps broken songs, perhaps songs of desperation, but don't stop seeking the God who causes earthquakes to happen because earthquakes and exorcisms like happened in this story and they may not have, that may not be the way that he intervenes in your story, but he is still the same God. So if you would uh, just pray with me. God, we thank you that you are like that, that you don't change. You're, you're still the same. And while we don't always understand your plan, we know that you are good, and we have experienced enough of your ways to know um, that you really are faithful to your word, that you cause all things to work together to those who love you and called according to your purpose, that you are um, our hope 
uh, an ever-present help in times of trouble. And we can pour out our, our hearts to you, and you do hear, and you do move to shake the foundations of, of a prison and open doors in ways that are inexplicable. God, renew our faith and cause us to hope in you today. We thank you for this example, and we ask, God, that you, um, you would be near to us today. Um, we thank you that you, you have said, that Jesus, that you would never leave us or forsake us. It's in your name that we ask these things. Amen.